Hello and welcome to the OmniTalk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff and the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The OmniTalk Fast Five is the fastest, funniest, and most fervently insightful rundown of all the week's top news in retail. If you want boring, go someplace else. Today is March 25th, 2021. I am your host, Chris Walton, joined as always by my partner in crime and raindrops are falling on my head, Mazinga and Emma the intern. And how's your week been this week? Not the best. Why I've had that? better weeks. Why is why are raindrops falling on your head this weekend? I mean, the leaks. We, we've had some had leaks. A lot of rain this week. A lot of rain of all kinds this week, Chris. Emma, how have you been, Emma the intern? What's new in your life? Doing lots of interviews. I do like informal and formal interviews, like two or more a day. It's very okay. tiring, but it's fun. Um, I'm still kind of angry about my Walmart DoorDash delivery experience. That was my highlight of the week, picking up eggs and salsa at eight o'clock in the morning from my parking lot. I was talking about that with somebody. You got to tell that story because like it got me on this whole rant with um, um, this guy I met named Joe, uh, Joe Melville over the week. Great guy, really smart, super sharp on retail uh, and uh, been in the candy business for a really long time. And we started talking about like the top 10 last mile delivery fails and yours was definitely one of them. So like what tell, tell the audience. So I, this was the first time I ever got Walmart groceries delivered, but like target was out of stock of the tofu I like and Walmart just happened to have everything I needed. Yeah. Just my kind of problems. But so I left very specific instructions of where the front door of the building was just leave the groceries there. I was going to be in class. Like I'm not able to get them. I will come and get them after I see that they're delivered, just leave them in the door. And so it come, I start getting all these phone calls. The driver can't find the one door to the building. That's like street facing and has the name of the, like, it's so obvious. And so I eventually like go outside trying to find this guy. Cause I'm watching his car kind of drive around on my phone and I get into the parking lot and he is just throwing the bags of groceries out of his car and they're ripping because he put like five gallons of milk in one bag So things are going everywhere. He's like, you paid for this. And he's throwing the bags and I have like eggshells on the ground. My salsa exploded everywhere. He got angry eggs on you pretty much. That's what, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. That that was my one Walmart DoorDash delivery experience. So will you do it again or are you finished? Like you're like, I won't do it again. No, I don't think I'm doing that. You're done. Okay. Interesting. And what's your favorite last mile delivery fail? Like what, what's, what, Minus the phantom drop off. Like, do you know when that happens? Have you been there? Like they've come, but you have no idea that they came. Like you didn't get the text message, the knock on the door, the call, the stuff's there. You just have no idea how long it's been out there. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. All right, well, let's get to it. In today's episode, Fabletics is expanding its store count. Dollar General is planning to do the same thing, but with a new concept. Amazon gets the NFL rights on Thursday nights, as well as is trying to get the rights to your music. We'll talk more about that. And 7-Eleven also has a new store concept. But first, we're going to talk a little Albertsons. Albertsons, I'm so pumped about this. And like I am, Emma, the intern, I can't even tell you, like Albertsons is rolling out more micro fulfillment centers. According to Grocery Dive, Albertsons has liked the economic impact of its micro fulfillment implementations thus far on its e-commerce business. Their CEO said last Friday during a virtual conference with Citigroup's retail madness 
extravaganza or at their retail madness extravaganza. He said, quote, we see a lot of promise in the ability of an MFC, that's a micro fulfillment center, to get the cost down so that so that our digital business is profitable and equivalent to what our core business is, end quote. He also said drive up and go. Albertson's curbside service is the fastest growing component of the grocer's business. And as a result, they now plan and have announced that they are going to implement seven more MFCs this year. Now, I know I'm pumped and I think you're pretty pumped on this too. Why is that? Yeah. Well, I mean, when I interviewed Chris Rupp, what was that a couple of weeks ago now? And she teased at that time, like all we had known about at that time was really just about the kiosk pilot they're doing in Jewel Osco. And she's like, yeah, we've got a few more things happening this year. And my goodness, are they winning 2021 already? Like micro fulfillment oh centers, God, yeah. they're bringing delivery and are outside to outside partners. Like they're doing vertical farming. Like, I feel like we're hearing these headlines come out like one after the other and yeah, they're going after it. I'm I'm excited. I think, and I'm I mean, who knows? This, there's seven more MFCs that are coming online this year. Like, what else are they gonna announce? Yeah, right. Like, yeah, no, like you're, you're right. Like Cleveron, virtual vertical farming, the remember the tortoise thing that was driving down the street, which I think yes, is a cool idea right. for some I cities. forgot about that. You know, and then they've got this. I'm I I'm I'm gonna I'm pumped here. I'm gonna toot our own horns a little bit too. Like, and I'm also gonna toot the horns of some people that are pretty important to us here at OmniTalk too. But number one, predicted this back, predicted this was coming in back in 2019. We said this thing was gonna explode and it's starting to. Um, and then the second piece that I love about this story is I am so tired of seeing just all the like baloney concepts float around social media with like. 1900 story towers of robots, you know, working in like a 500 square foot space all the way up until like, you know, they meet Jack and the Beanstalk somewhere along the way. Like, and then people just claiming that all these other solutions that none of them have been tested and tried are like the perfect thing. Whereas here you have a company that has implemented a solution and full disclosure, it's from Takeoff, our sponsor, but I'm damn proud of that. They've implemented it twice and they're now rolling it out because it's been in practice and in theory, it's working to seven more stores, seven more sites, let's say. That is an important thing to think about. Like at the end of the day, kudos to Takeoff and everyone that's been involved in that because I imagine it's taken a ton of work and they've gotten it done. And it shows you that there are real answers to solve these problems and you don't have to look for just like the perfect flashiest tech thing. Well, and look at what else it's enabled. You have to believe that the efficiencies that they found within the MFC are enabling them to do the kiosk thing, to do the tortoise thing. Like all these things are, we're seeing a really nice picture of what it can unlock for Albertsons and for grocery retailers, especially. Stick with us at Omnitalk, Mizinga. We have been working. We, I mean, we've been on that curve. I mean, do I have a choice? I no, you really don't. But I mean, (laughs) well, our first podcast with Takeoff was at like Shop Talk in like two thousand. 18, I think. Yeah, maybe? it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a first. long time we've been watching this trend and, and I've always loved how they describe stuff. So kudos to them, our sponsor. But Emma, what do you think? I mean, nobody should be sleeping on Albertsons. They're doing everything right. And I'm just excited to see where it goes. You're pumped about them too. All right, let's switch gears now. Literally, let's talk a little fashion. Oh my gosh. All right, you guys. I got my sweatshirt on, my Omnitalk sweatshirt. I'm ready to go. They don't sell that at Fabletics. I can guarantee that. Uh, Not yet. yet. So Fabletics is 
expanding. The activewear fashion brand will open 24 more stores across the nation in 2021, expanding their brick and mortar presence to a total of 74 locations by the end of the year. They are opening their first reveal of these new and expanded stores at our home state mall of America in Bloomington. Guys, I know, Chris, I know that you, you really fought for this story. I, uh, I don't know that I can agree with that, but I would like to hear your point of view. You first. Want me to go, okay. I'll go first. I, I love this story. Yeah. I fought hard for this story and the re- and really a couple of reasons. I think one, again, been on this company for a really long time. Like, I remember Adam, I, Adam Goldenberg, one of the founders, I think spoke at again, one of the conferences, I think it was shop talk, like probably 2017, 2018. I was like, this guy gets it. He understands what omnichannel retailing is, how to think about the design and structure of his stores, both from a physical and a digital perspective, and all the data you can capture throughout that experience. I've written it, have said that they're one of the best in class in the omni-channel space. You're seeing that their business model is working. They're seeing they're trying to be opportunistic about what real estate they can get. And I also just like the fact that they are the low-cost player in a space that's really hot. And when you look at business models over time, that's always a really good place to be. And it's hard for me to name who else that is really. So I think there's a lot to like about this company and what they're continuing to do. And they're being aggressive here. So I'm all in on this. You think I'm wrong though. Yeah. Emma, I'm curious your perspective. What's your experience with Fabletics? And what do you think about this? I think like Fabletics has a really cool business model. It's something like totally different compared to what it like what other athletic kind of retailers are doing. I'm most excited that they are like relocating and revamping that Mall of America store because it was really disappointing. It was dark and tiny. And I'm really, I'm super excited to see where they go with a new store, but I mean, I'm good for them, I I suppose. So, all right, here's my problem with this. And and let me say Uh, that to to be fair, uh, I have not, I don't own Fabletics, any of Fabletics apparel. I have tried it on several times. So if somebody from Fabletics wants to prove me wrong and send me something to trial at a more long period of time, I am open for it. Okay. But I, I have this problem and we saw the same thing. So I went to go check out Dick's Sporting Goods, their versatile VRST line. I have this problem with you guys saying that they're like the low cost version because they're not quite low cost. I mean, if you join the subscription program, fine. Yes, that makes sense. Then they are coming in a little bit lower, but the quality of this stuff is just not great. I mean, the dick stuff, like it, it, like I said to you, Chris, it walks like Lulu. It talks like Lulu. (laughs) It looks like Lulu, but you go up and you feel the fabric and you see these stitching like already coming apart. It's like, this is not going to hold up. There's a reason that that product costs a little bit more than what you get. And so I actually think that while the store expansion makes sense, and I think it's smart for Fabletics for their model of, you know, who knows what happened with the subscription services and their 2 million people that they have on that service. Like my guess is that there was a lot of returns happening. So the stores make sense as another place for, you know, customers to make up that last mile for returns for them um, and to come in and experience some of the things that they have in store. But 
My problem is that you're going to start competing with the lines that, you know, Target has, that Amazon has, that Walmart have, that are much less expensive. And I would argue are probably about the same level of quality as something like you're getting from Fabletics. So yes, you know, go for it. The partnership with Hydro, the, you know, the fit app that they created. Sure that there's, there's a lot of things that they're trying to do in store. The one thing that I'll end with though, that I do not like at all whatsoever. This is kind is, of a rant. Okay, especially go if you're going to compete with Amazon or with uh sorry, with Lululemon and Athleta, if you're going to put them in that same category um, to have things like legging finders are very against this whole like omni-channel strategy that you've gone into your stores with. That is the worst possible thing. If I am coming to your store, you best be helping me find the best leggings for me. I don't want to go on some kiosk and find a pair of leggings that your associates in store should be there to help me and say, what are you looking for? Like if you go to Lululemon, that is one of the best experiences that you have. So you're saying there should be a service component. They should be, yeah. No, which is is tricky when you're running a low cost model. Stay smart with your, with your omni-channel experiences. If you're going to do this Fabletics. All right. That that was an all time Bazinga rant, I think, by the way, the raindrops have been falling this week, but no, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I just don't know how relevant I think it is. I mean, I think like, what you're describing is tr- is traditionally I just spit out of water there as I said that. If you're, watching, I, you're crazy is basically but, what you but, just said. No, in I don't summary. think you're crazy. I just I just think what you described happens all the time. I mean, I can make the same argument about H and M, right? And you know, I could say like, look, you, you're not paying a lot for the clothes. You know, it's not great quality, but like that's just generally how this stuff works. It's buyer beware. They're still competing with the Target and Walmart in the same arena, like in fashion, Amazon, that kind of thing. It's just all about branding yourself a certain way and fitting into that niche. And I don't think anyone, you know, outside of, you know, a mass merchant has really claimed that niche yet. And I think these guys also are doing it right from the ground up with a different way of thinking about how the stores blend with digital. Maybe there's still some work to do on the Fit Finder thing and how that plays into stores. Because, yes, when you go in a store, you want that taxing. You want that confidence in what you're purchasing. So maybe that is where the human element matters. But so totally agree with you there. But, but I think some of that is just dynamics. And when you look at how business model plays out, plays out, I'd, I'd rather be on that end of everything because I think there's a lot of ground to be. People always go and gravitate towards price because some people just can't spend that much and other people just want the value. Like I got to tell you, I've seen those ads for their shorts and I'm wearing those damn Lululemon shorts every all darn day. In fact, if you're watching the video, I got them on now. And like, it's enticing me to try them out and give them a shot. And then over time, maybe they'll win. All right, let's keep on rolling because this next story is pretty cool too. A lot of buzz on social media with this one. All right. So Dollar General is planning on accelerating the rollout of its new suburban focus concept pop shelf. They're planning on opening up to 50 new pop shelf stores by the end of the year. They're going to be adding the concept as a store within a store to 25 existing locations. And in true Dollar General fashion, they estimate that they could add up to 3,000 additional pop shelf stores in the U.S. And so if you're if you need a refresher on what pop shelf is, it targets women in diverse suburban communities with income ranging from $50,000 to $125,000 a year. A wide variety of merchandise, primarily home, beauty, all usually under the price of $5. So what do you guys think? Oh, Emma, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> but believe it or not, this is our put us on the spot question this week. So of course. Uh, do you want this? We'll see who gets it. You guys can decide who wants this after we're done here. But here's the question. So Dollar General is clearly making an upmarket play, just as you described, at least that's what they're saying, according to their data. And it, according to them, it's not just working, but it's wildly successful. 
So what do you think? Who stands to lose more here from this up market move? Is it retailers like Target? Or could Dollar General end up actually losing more by taking their eye off of their core market? Emma, you want that one? This is good business. This could this is your interviewing for jobs. This is good like job interview question. What do you think? I can try. So um, obviously data doesn't lie unless you manipulate it. And I fully believe that this is going really successfully. However, I'm confused by the if everything's under five dollars, aren't you kind of still in the same core target market as your regular Dollar General store? Like, I don't think it's a bad idea to experiment different, trying to aim for different kinds of demographics. But at the same time, if everything's under five dollars, you're still kind of you're not at yeah. Target's level, and you're still kind of just in your exact same demographic to begin with. So. That's kind of my thought on it. I'm I not really, entirely I, sure. Yeah, I really like I'm that just, point. And I've got, I got, I, I really like that point. I've got some more data too on that point too. It's interesting that you bring that up. I think that plays back to the last conversation we were having too, which is why it's important. That's why we put these two stories side by side. But, and what do you think? Are you, is your head where Emma's is? Are you one direction or another? Do you have another like rant that you're going to go on here? If so, please warn us in advance. Okay. Oh my God. No, we can, we have like a rant meter. We just have like a buzzer. <laughs> You have taboo. to like set it. You bring set back the taboo buzzers. Like, <laughs> stop. Um, no, I mean, to me, the strategy makes sense. Look, Dollar General is going after the people that have disposable income and will for the next year. And that's the upper or middle to upper class. And and I would point out very closely their teens and tween kids who also like this is targeting that market. We see five below doing the same thing. Um, they've expanded their concept for their five beyond, which hits on what Emma's saying, like that five dollar yeah. and up market. All in all, I think that it's it's really about what they are offering in a one-stop shop and where those places are located. Do I think that they're going to beat out Target on that? Probably not. But I mean, there. I guess if you if you have the ability to get a lot of things accomplished in, a, in an equivalent product to a Target, you might go to this one instead. Um, or if these are in locations that Targets aren't, but it sounds like they're going to be like pretty much side by side, like in those major, you know, super strip centers and things like that. But well, if they do 3,000, they're going to be in a hell of a lot of places. Target's sure. not too. I think yeah. that's another important thing. Like if they're really thinking about this, that's why, that's why Emma, your point is really, I think is really interesting because I actually don't think it's, I think it's both. I think you have to read between the lines here and it's both. Like, like we were just talking about, there's going to be people that are shopping at Target or, you know, a Costco or whatever, higher income people that are still going to potentially migrate down. So you can capture some of that. And who fits this space right now? There isn't, I mean, there isn't anyone. You're talking probably like TJX and those kind of like, or, or like, I'm sorry, not TJX, but home goods specifically of TJ. You're talking about that, but that's kind of a different beast, right? That's kind of, that's kind of the off price model, which is really, you know, kind of different. And then, you know, but then at the same time, you have the, say the lower income segments of the population here, where do they go for this stuff, right? If they don't want to go to, target for it as an example, if, if that's the comparison we keep making. So like, and I think it's the right comparison. So I think you're potentially capturing both here. And there, there was some cool data. I, I, I wanted to see what Nielsen, who sent us some cool data before thought about this. So I asked Nielsen IQ to pull some data for us on just how people spend money across the country. And I didn't know this stuff. I think it's really interesting. So I want you guys to listen to this based on what we just said and tell me what you think. But like, if you look at households over $100,000, make $100,000. That's households, right? Not yep. individuals, but households. 56% of the annual grocery spend comes from households making $100,000. A 
Club sales, 48% of their sales come from people making $100,000. And at mass merchants, the Target and Walmarts, it's 40% of their sales come from people mm -hmm. making $100,000. Okay. But dollar stores, on the other hand, check this out. And this is my, listen to this, all the clubhouse pundits out there, because this is important. Dollar stores get 41% of their sales from households with incomes below $30,000. Households with incomes below $30,000? Households with incomes below $30,000. That shows you how important these types of installations are across the country. And so I, that's why I, like, we need to stop the coastal commenting. That's my new quote. Like, this is a very different type of thing that's going on here. And so when you start thinking about a concept in the, like, say, home decor space, like they're describing... There's a lot of ground to still cover for that marketplace specifically and to still take from all those other markets as well, in my opinion. All right. Next story is huge. I got this one. It's just more proof that Amazon is out in front of everyone else and playing a graduate level game uh, compared to the rest of the competition. As, as I mentioned in the intro, Amazon this week secured broadcast license rights to the NFL's Thursday night football games. And the other thing, they're now starting to sell merch through Amazon Music. And you're much, much more of the music aficionado than I am. Like, what do you think here? Okay, well, I have two questions. One, is there a reason to have cable anymore? And two, yeah. what's the over-under on how many more Prime members they're going to be in 2022 than what Amazon is forecasting? Amazon says that they're going to have um, 153 million Prime members in 2022. And I think that it's it's something that we have to take a very close look at. 119 million people have cable. I wonder how many more we're going to see move that that budget amount over to becoming a Prime member who aren't already. So really, right. really uh, closely going to be watching that. But then this musicians thing, and Emma, I know you've got some experience in this, so I want to get your take too. I, I think this is super smart selling the, the merch, but why stop there, Amazon? Like for, to me, this should go even further beyond the, the musicians own merchandise. Like I want to go see Gucci Mane's store on Amazon of all of his favorite things from all the videos. I want to buy the swimsuits that the ladies yeah. are wearing in the video. I want to, I want to buy his sweatshirts, like his shoes, whatever, like this should not be limited to just the, the musicians merch. And I think that this could like completely explode if they could start to get people like that, that are, do you want to buy it from right. Amazon too, Ann? Do you want it? Cause it's like so easy. Like if you're already in there, like why wouldn't you just want it quickly from all these platforms versus like yeah. having to go through some new e-commerce setup. Right. That's the crazy thing about this story to me. Yeah, they definitely have this cornered because of that Amazon experience. I mean, I think Spotify and some of the others that are doing this with musicians merch is one thing, um, especially over the course of the last year when a lot of the musicians depended on that revenue because they couldn't be out touring. But I would say like th the ability to expand the universe beyond beyond just merch is uh, is pretty impressive and somewhere that Amazon, I think, is uniquely positioned to dominate. But Emma, tell us about your experience. What do you think about this? I think it is so cool. Nobody is quite doing this merch game in terms of music the way that Amazon is. Spotify, you still have to go to a separate website to actually purchase merch that you might see on the app. But you definitely are onto something with a full-on like artist shop of all their favorite things and whatnot. However, the Amazon Music and the Am or Merch by Amazon teams are two entirely separate entities and they don't necessarily always work together. And that's something I think they really need to kind of up because you can't get any video on the Amazon Music app. 
But in terms of like merch by Amazon, everything is print on demand. It is, it shows up in two days. It's truly like an incredible beast that they're creating. And it also something that I've learned that's super important is that this prompts people to buy actually like officially licensed apparel from an artist or a musician rather than all the other hundreds of bootlegs you can find on Amazon's regular website. So I'm all over this. I think that this can be something really, really cool, especially if they start getting into like video and um, having like influencer features and whatnot on the app. They're, they're so far ahead of the game that that point you brought up to you about like custom content too. And like what we've talked and like your, your 3d fitting experience. Remember that? Like, yeah, all this can come together. Like let's not forget the NFL side of this story too. Like it's the same thing there, right? People are rabid followers about their NFL teams too. And so, you know, fanatics is on this space, you know, it's quite possible that there's, there's already Matt Bowen, friend of Omnitox has been sending me stuff all week. Like there's, but they're already talking of ties of different merchandise, you know, that the NFL might do with Amazon and who knows where that goes. And like, do you get into the custom design side of things here on demand as you need to, like, th- this is massive. Like it got me thinking like the idea social commerce is kind of the buzzword and Christ we've used it a lot. I don't think that's the right word. Like I actually think it's more like content commerce or media commerce. Like that's really what it's about. It's not the social aspect. It's, it's more of what content we're consuming. That's now conjoined at the hip with commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just like us talking to each other socially, like on a Facebook app or, you know, something like that. It's more now everything. And like, what media are we consuming? That's where commerce is going to happen. So man, this, I, this is just, they're going to be, they're just so strong and powerful. I think we all know that, but geez, Louise. And is your tinfoil hat like sparking? Like, do you need to like stay away from the microwave today or like, how are no. you feeling? No, I'm good. I'm good. This is like, this is, this is fun. I like this cat. I mean, that you love, right? You're like, kind of like, yeah, bring it to yeah. me. Like, I want yeah. that. I think this makes sense. Like they're, you know, this is an offering that's going to be, that's providing more benefit than it's uh, bringing in risk. I would say. Yeah. And, and not to say, not to go off too far to tangent, but like a lot, we had a lot of questions on the, the healthcare thing last week too. Like, well, what will that do the quality of like medicine and thing? And, and then you got to, you get to think about, it, you're like, well, it's actually, not that different. Like, what are you going to get at a minute clinic now? And who's providing that for you, right? This actually just makes things easier for you. So like, like keep everything in perspective. Anyway, Anne, you want to finish this out? I do. All right. News out of 7-Eleven. Their new evolution store includes a drive-through restaurant. So 7-Eleven has opened the sixth location of this store format in Dallas, which features the first ever Laredo Taco Company, a restaurant which company that they own their first drive-through restaurant uh, that also includes indoor seating so when you pull into this drive-through traditional like 7-eleven footprint um, and then you can uh, you can order your tacos but then you can also order a slurpee or 30 other beverages from 7-eleven um, the real story here i think is that this is the first time that a 7-eleven has operated a corporate owned drive-through restaurant at one of its stores and they are planning on opening four more in dallas this year i mean we're seeing a ton of innovation in the c-store space especially this week even like GoPuff, they doubled their valuation in six months yeah. wawa has a has had a concept piloting they've got a couple now that are open um that have this drive-through idea and I think that this concept really has some legs. I'll be curious to hear what you guys think, but I yeah. think once, yeah, once you start to add to this experience and you go beyond just offering the 30 beverages um, and you start to 
open up the catalog of everything else that's in that convenience store. Every, you know, beer, candy, tampons, condoms, tacos. What more could you want? I mean, the list frozen is Frozen margaritas, and don't forget, they actually frozen, have, they have frozen margaritas at this place too. I think you might, in some states, you're going to have to stay on site to consume those. But, but you know, depending on, on where you are and what the, the state restrictions are, I think the thing here is that when you start to think about like implementing robotics into a convenience store format, you bring in some of these like picking and packing robots, you keep, this is actually like the most efficient and safest C-store concept for an operator. Like you could have one person there. And as I'm pulling in the drive-through, I order my things. You're having the robots, you know, pick these orders if you had to, as people are coming through. And then now you have this safely, like behind the glass C-store operator that just has to give you your bag of stuff. Like that seems like the best, most optimal experience if I'm running a convenience store. So I've taken it and run with it. What do you guys <laughs> think? I just went on that diatribe about large towers. I'm like thinking too far. And you're like, wait, you're like all in. Yeah. Emma, you're I'm, the, you're the, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think about like, what, what are all the, what could this possibly be here? What are the best ways that we could continue to expand this concept? But yes, Emma, tell us what you think. Yeah, Emma, you're the closest in age, I think, to this one. Like, which, what, what do you think? I think it's pretty cool. I don't like going into a gas station, but if I can get anything from inside a gas station through the drive through window, like, that would be really cool. What if I could, like, so you usually live pretty close to a gas station, but what if you could, from your, like, an app on your phone, order... You have the whole product catalog of a gas station. You could just order right on your phone, go through the drive-thru that you show them like a QR code and then they give you your stuff and you drive away. Like, I think that would be awesome. It's raining. You need to get a gallon of milk. Nobody wants to run into the convenience store. If you could just pull right up, that's perfect. So you guys are all over this, huh? Okay. I I was, I, I kind of was skeptical on this one at first where I was like, is that really just better than a digital experience? And you talked about the explosion of GoPuff. Like, I mean, if I really just need stuff, like I'll get it. And so like the restaurant component was really, and we've talked about this before, you know, it's really about like the restaurant, like, you know, that's really what you're talking about here. That's really what's precipitating that. And you can get that delivered so many different ways too. Um, but then Stuart Samuel, so I was a little down on this, but then Stuart Samuel of IGD put out a post this today of, of someone on their team wrote a recap of the experience. They went in. That's how I knew about the frozen margaritas. And then I got to thinking about it and I was like, you know, I'm way in here. Cause I think we've all done this. I was like, well, you know where people like hang out, especially young people, they hang out in parking lots of convenience stores. And then I was like, frozen margaritas. This sounds like Vegas on the strip. And like, you're just getting people to hang out and do something. And it's a reason for a physical place to exist. And it's a little bit different. And so there's like a psychology to this that I hadn't thought about before that. Yeah. Heck maybe, maybe you're just saying, Hey, you're doing that behavior already. Come on. We're going to make it even that much more simpler for you to do. So am I crazy? Like, I don't, what do you think? I don't man, know. You're shaking man. your head. I don't know if I'm seven 11 that I want to encourage more loitering outside of the, well, no, I just bring it in the this. store. I mean, that's right. You bring but... in the store when you have alcohol and that kind of stuff going on. I mean, you're, you're saying that's what you're doing, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, they're having success with the concept. So yeah, I mean, I think that they should keep trying it and see, see what they can learn from the concept, but I'm all in on the drive-through. I, I would have fewer people inside and more people. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's still about the drive. Yeah. It's still about the drive-through too. So like, yeah, God, I mean, I guess you're getting a little bit of everything maybe with this and maybe your world of the robots running the whole thing, the whole <laughs> shebang, maybe one day it plays out who the hell knows. 
All right, let's wrap it up. Happy birthday today. Some great birthdays today. First to SJP. Do those initials still mean something to the both of you? Sarah Jessica Parker. The girl. All right. Starsky and Hutch's Paul Michael Glazier. And Emma, this is my favorite, but just for you, Lark Voorhees. Do you know who Lark Voorhees is? No. No, oh Anne, please. I feel like I should stand up and start doing the sprain dance. Um, Lark Voorhees is from Saved by the Bell. Lisa right. Turtle. Lisa obviously. Turtle. Thanks to the takes to the loyal listener that sent that one in this morning. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Amitak. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you, all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Be sure as well to check out our webinar next week. You can't spell autonomous shopping without AI. You can go on the blog and register for that. It's right on our homepage. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is brought to you by the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and an operator like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. The OmniTalk Fast Five is also sponsored by Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com.